Well, hey, everybody. I'm so glad that you are joining us this weekend for part two of our series, Waymaker. Um, I'm just thankful for the privilege of coming into your home, and I'm in my own home, and on your devices or wherever you're joining us. We're all here still just kind of adjusting to this new reality, and even though we're not physically meeting together on Northgate campuses right now, it doesn't mean that we have to cease being the church. During um, this time where there's so much uncertainty, we're in a series that's looking at the power and the significance of the names of God for our lives. And so today I want to focus on God, the miracle worker. We look around at our world right now and we say, we need a miracle. And I know some of you are facing challenges so big right now, whether it's economically, relationally, physically, emotionally, and you're saying, this couldn't come at a better time for me because I need a miracle. I know that I've spoken to so many of you who have family that's sick with COVID-19 and they're just in bad shape or other circumstances and their only hope and your only hope is a miracle. So what do you do if you need a miracle? Uh, today I want to tell you a story about how God used a tree to perform a miracle. And here's the deal. I believe that he could use a tree to perform a miracle in your life today too, but you're going to have to stay with me until the end just to see how. Here's the backdrop. It's from Exodus chapter 15 of the Bible. Three days earlier, Moses and the Israelites had experienced literally one of the greatest miracles God had ever performed. We actually talked about this just a few weeks ago. It was the parting of the Red Sea when the Israelites had found themselves caught between a rock and a really wet place. Pharaoh and his armies were coming on one side to enslave them, and on the other side stood a very wet, wide body of water. And the Israelites couldn't go back, and they couldn't go forward. They couldn't go around. They literally were stuck, and God performed a miracle and parted the Red Sea. And just as you would have done, and just as I would have done, when they got to the other side, they broke out in praise and worship, proclaiming, what a God we have. He's my strength. He's my salvation. I will praise him forever and ever. Now you would think from that moment on that they would be like literally the most grateful people in the world. But the Bible says that then Moses led the Israelites from the sea, the Red Sea, and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days that they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, oftentimes, there's only one way to get from here to where you want to be and where you need to go, and that is through a desert, right? It says that finally the Israelites see some water from the distance, and after three long days without water, the Bible says that then when they came to Merah, they couldn't drink it because it was bitter. For three days that they had no water, and they eventually find water, and what is it? It's undrinkable. They couldn't drink the water because it was bitter, and that's actually what the word mara means, bitter. It's interesting that mara for bitter is used in a number of places if you look in the scriptures. You see it in Genesis 27, it actually describes family turmoil, which is often bitter, right? In 1 Samuel 1.10, it's used when talking about the inability to conceive a child, which is bitterly painful. Job 7, it refers to bitterness over personal suffering and hardship. And in Jeremiah 2, it talks about the bitterness of grief. Some of the miracles that many of you need today in your life are not in your body, friends, but in your heart. 
some of our wounds are from those who have said, I'll never leave you, but then they deserted you. Some of us know what it's like to be cheated and lied to and betrayed. Some of us know what it's like to be hurt and angry and all that bitterness just like fills like your soul, right? Well, the Israelites, after three days without water, finally come to water and it's bitter. It's not drinkable. We see in Exodus 15, it says, So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? In three days, we've gone from celebrating what God can do to forgetting what God can do. On Sunday, they're shouting, Amen and Hallelujah, and like, Celebrate good times, come on. Right? At the Red Sea. But by Wednesday, they hit rock bottom, and they're whining, and they're complaining. So we find here, here's Moses, their leader, and he's in need of a miracle. And so what would he do? What should you do or what should I do if we need a miracle? Well, I think there's three things. First, come to God with your need. Often when we get into hard times and we don't know how to fix it, we run to other people, we run to the internet, we run to friends who always have lots of opinions about what we should do. But look at the first thing that Moses did. The text says that then Moses cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. So when we need a miracle, the first thing we need to do is cry out to God. The second is this, actually do what God asks. In verse 25, it says that God was using this as a test. The water wasn't a problem. The water was a test. Three days before, God had communicated that he was bigger than water, that he was more powerful than water, that he was greater than water, yet Three days later, they were complaining when God gives them a water test. And this is where our piece of wood comes into play. The text says that next, the Lord showed him, this is Moses, a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water. Now, can we just be honest for a minute? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Moses throws a tree into the water, and I think that's where we see that sometimes God asks us to do things that just don't make sense. You see throughout Scripture that he asked Abraham to move to a new land, not knowing where he was going. He asked Noah to build a boat in a desert where it never rains. And now God asked Moses to take a worthless tree and cast it, throw it into bitter, undrinkable, polluted waters of Marah. He asked us to take our hands off the wheel in reality, friends. I think of it like a car wash. I love the car wash. Um, when I go to the car wash, there's something I have to do. The moment I pull in, I actually have to put my car in neutral. If I don't yield to the direction of my car, the conveyor belt pulling it through, I can't expect the purification that comes from the cleansing waters. Friends, there's no miracles without yielding and surrendering to God. We pray, oh God, fix my marriage. But I won't apologize to him or to her. I'm not getting counseling. He's the one that needs to change. Or it's her problem. Or God, fix my health. But I'm not going to go to the doctor. And no, I'm not going to go start uh, watching what I eat or begin exercising. Sometimes I think God is putting things right in front of us to see what we'll do with it before he does that miracle. And Moses... Well, he actually obeys. He does exactly what God asks him to do, and he throws a worthless tree into bitter water. So, what do you do if you need a miracle? 
Come to God with your need. Do what he asks. And third, trust him for the outcome. This may be the hardest thing you have to do when you need a miracle because the outcome is not in our hands, but God's. What happens in this situation? We see that Moses throws his tree into the water. The Bible says uh, the water became fit to drink. Moses comes to God with his need. He does what God asks, and God takes a worthless tree, and the waters are healed. In fact, this is actually the first mention of healing in the Bible. Let me show you. It says, after this miracle, and um, God instructs the Israelites, he says, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the disease I brought unto the Egyptians, which were the plagues. For I am the Lord who what? Heals you. I am the Lord who heals. The Hebrew word used here for God is Jehovah Rapha, or the God who heals. And I want you to listen to this. When you come to Jehovah Rapha with your need, when you do what he asks, you can trust him for the results. The chapter closes with this verse. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. This reminds me of uh, the lake where my family has vacationed for most of my life, the Upper Twin Lakes outside of Bridgeport, California. It's glacier-fed. It's continual flow of fresh and pure water. And it just reminds me that these Israelites actually go from no water to bitter water to purified water to an unlimited supply of fresh water because of Jehovah Rapha, the miracle worker, the God who heals. Another great example we see is actually in the New Testament over in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus encounters a, a guy who needs a miracle from Jehovah Rapha. Jesus is ministering in this little podunk town called Capernaum, which is right on the side of the Sea of Galilee, and actually a handful of you are joining Michelle and I there this year, right after Christmas. So many people actually came to hear Jesus teach in this house that day, and there wasn't any room left. They were spilling outside. The Bible says that there was four men who actually brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. We don't know the background of these four guys and of the paralyzed man. Maybe they grew up together. Maybe uh, their families went on a camping trip together. But this paralyzed guy needs a miracle. And they were like, we have to get our friend to Jesus. But as soon as they see the house, they get this like sick feeling in the pit of their stomach because they see crowds overflowing and there's no room left. Now at this point, it would have been easy for them to say to their friend, oh man, uh, we're so sorry. We tried to do what we can. We just can't get you in to see Jesus today. There's too many people. There's no room. We were too late. But they don't actually do that. Instead, they act with great urgency and innovation. They actually dig a hole in the roof of the house above where Jesus was teaching and lower the mat um, that their paralyzed friend was actually lying on, and they put him right in front of Jesus. Now, I want, I want us to see, I think we can all agree that that is insane, and that's kind of bold, right? How many of you have gone to Costco right now, and it's packed, and they tell you it's going to be over an hour wait for you to get in, and you just said, like, well, okay, we're just going to go through the roof, because we've just got to get in, right? we got to get what we need. But that's actually what they did to get their friend to Jesus, 
And that's why we're actually innovating and reinventing church digitally online to do whatever it takes to get our own friends and family to Jesus in this crisis. It must have been like really just quite a sight inside the house to see Jesus teaching and dust starts falling in his toga and between the toes of his Birkenstocks and they're lowering his friend right down in front of Jesus in the middle of his sermon and this conversation he's having. And at this point, you would think that the sermon is over, but now we want to see how Jesus responds. He says, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. At that point, I'm sure they were all disappointed, honestly thinking, oh, that's nice, Jesus. We'll remember to say that at his funeral one day that you forgave his sins, and we're glad that you know we'll see him in heaven someday, but... I don't know if you've noticed, but today it's his legs. They don't work. Could you fix what we see? And they see this as a bigger problem right now. But you see, Jesus knows the biggest problem for all of us is not our bodies, but it's actually our souls. Why? Because legs can become crippled again. Bodies can get sick again. So Jesus is like, healing his legs is a great thing, but I'm much more concerned with his eternal soul, his eternal destiny, which actually brings me to the main thing I want you to hold on today, my entire sermon in a sentence. The miracle worker, Jehovah Rapha, is ready to give you the miracle you need, even if it's not the miracle you seek. It was only after this that Jesus does something that all of them had given up hope on. In order to authenticate that he had the authority to forgive sins, Jesus says to the man, get up, take your mat, go home, and in full view for everyone to see. He gets up, takes his mat, and he walks. And this amazes everyone. And they start praising Jehovah Rapha and saying, we have never seen anything like this. And in this incredible moment, this man miraculously walks out of the house, but also having experienced the greatest miracle of all, the forgiveness of his sins. You say, Why is this a greater miracle? Because this man still eventually dies, friends. In fact, all of the people that Jesus healed, including the ones he raised from the dead, still died. You haven't seen Lazarus walking around here, and if you did, you'd think you'd see him on Jimmy Fallon or The Tonight Show, the different stuff, because, you know, that would be crazy. That would be a miracle. You see, the greatest miracle of all is actually not when he heals the body temporarily, but when he forgives and saves a soul eternally. To wrap this conversation up today, I just want to say this. I've been a part of so many moments standing around the bed with loved ones who are very sick and it doesn't look good and they need a miracle. And here's what I want you to know. Because that person came to Jesus with their need for their forgiver and savior, because they had done what God asked and confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they can trust Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, for the miracle they need. Either they will be healed or they will be healed, right? Either they will live or they will live. Either they will be with family, or they will be with family. Jehovah Rapha is going to give them 
their family the miracle they need, even if it's not the miracle they seek. Many of you watching or listening to me right now think you know that what you need from God most today, honestly. You think you need a miracle to finish your homeschooling assignments. You think you need a miracle to find finance, to, to you know, fix your financial challenges, that you need a miracle of a new husband or a new wife. And you think you need a miracle of healing your sick body or sick father, sick mother, or sick child. But maybe the miracle you need most is not the miracle you seek. Do you remember as we were beginning today, I said, uh, I believe God could use a tree to perform a miracle in your life today. God tells Moses to throw this old tree into the water for a miracle. So what was bitter could be made sweet. And Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, does a miracle. Do you think that's a coincidence? I personally think that there's some, there's some semblance there. Because 1,500 years later, Jehovah Rapha, who so loved the world and loves you, once again takes an old tree and allows his one and only son to die on a tree for you. The Bible says that he was pierced for your transgressions and he was crushed for your inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and his wounds were what? Healed. I've heard so many people saying recently, I can't wait till things get back to normal and I just want to say I have way higher hopes than that. Uh, normal for most people was comfortable. Normal was spiritually lukewarm, honestly. Normal was being so preoccupied with making a living that we never made a life. This could be a wake-up call, friends, and a time for some of you to say yes to Jesus, to make changes in your life that you've ignored or put off, making, making it far too long for God to do a miracle in you. And today you could experience the greatest miracle of all and have your sins forgiven in the hope of forever. But you must come to God with your need. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the word all actually means all. We all have sin. Then do what God asks. Well, Romans 10, Romans 10 says, that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You could be saved by what Jesus did on a tree for you today. And then you can trust God with the outcome. Whatever the future holds, whatever global pandemic leads to, whatever happens in the economy, you can trust him. And as the Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ. And that's pretty good. But to die is gain. And that's even better. Really quickly, I just also want you to remember the role of the four friends. You see here that the role of the four friends, it was their faith. It was their faith. It wasn't necessarily the paralyzed man's faith, but because of their faith, their faith of what God could do, of what Jehovah Rapha could do in their friend's life, they did whatever it took to get them there, to Jesus. And so maybe for some of you, you need to just re-grasp that idea that because of your faith, you can help your friends and family. And maybe it's not the miracles they seek, 
but you can get them to Jesus to get the miracle that they actually need because of your faith. Man, I love you guys so much. And uh, I just want to invite you, let's respond now and worship to Jehovah Rapha, the miracle worker, healer God.